Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. For the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly. Must be 21. Welcome back in to the Lombardi Line. Still to come on the show today. A little bit later on this hour, we'll have the one and only Will Hill join us. Get into some of his NFL plays. Also some college football coming up in hour two. Aaron Moore joining us like he always does. And uh, we'll continue to talk about Monday Night Football a little bit later. I feel like we did some harping on the Philadelphia Eagles there for a while and a lot of the struggles that they're having, but a good, important win for the Seattle Seahawks as well. So we'll get into some of their wow. playoff hopes um, in a little yeah, bit. They needed that. Yes. They needed that well, one. I mean, wow, they were on, you know, look, they got to go back to Tennessee. And unfortunately for them, you know, they may have to play against Ryan Tannehill as opposed to Will Levis. So, you know, but you know, it's funny about not, not to belabor that game last night, but when you're watching that game, you just felt like was Seattle ever going to be able to stop them? And yet it felt like Seattle, like Philadelphia stopped themselves more than Seattle stopped them. And, you know, I, I think to me, Seattle's defense still does, even though they held Philly to 17, I'm not sure they're a good defense. I'm really not, you know, and, and they just have been fortunate in that situation where they made the plays and got the turnovers and credit to them. Yeah, they did. And Drew Locke, I, I got to say, his post-game interview, just I, I was nothing but smiles watching that and like yeah. seeing a guy for him, especially like lost his last seven straight starts to come out there and have that performance and deliver in a tough spot where he didn't even know that he was going to be yeah. starting. He said this to Lisa Salters. He didn't even know until essentially like right leading up to the game that day that he was going to be starting, which actually that brings me to a, another point. I, I know, again, I didn't want to talk too much more about this game right now, but I think this is an important one because I saw Mitch Moss tweet this out last night. Here on vsin.com we have live NFL odds like um, a screen that you can go to on vsin.com Shows you a number of the major books here in Vegas. All eight books were lit up either red, yellow, or green, meaning the line had moved in the last two, five, or ten minutes respectively, and he posted this with about like ten minutes or so before kickoff. 
earlier in the day, we know this price was largely three and a half across the board. Closed consensus Eagles five as high as six at the win you see there because we didn't know who was going to be starting at quarterback, Michael. Like Geno Smith, there were a lot of reports. He's activated. Maybe he's going to go. And then it ends up being Drew Locke. I, th- I feel like we all felt fairly confident that Jalen Hurts was going to go. Those were reported earlier on, on in the day that despite him being sick, traveling separate from the team, he was going to start. But we had no idea what was going to happen with Seattle. It, true. true. And, and I thought because the line was moving to Seattle, there was so much money coming in during the week on Seattle moving this number. Now, you know, that was twofold. It was could have been Hurts's the People knew Hertz's flu had a flu, and we didn't. That's possible. But also, it, for me, it was, A, Philly never plays well in Seattle. That, that's known. And, B, Geno Smith's going to come back. And Philly's inadequacies defensively in terms of coverage lend itself for them to throw the ball with Geno Smith in there. And yet we get to the moment where all of a sudden Geno's not the starter. And then the buyback on Philly happens, which to me made sense because, look, on paper, Philly is the better team. I think if they play 10 times, Philly's going to win eight. Last night, they didn't because the Eagles continue down the streak of, of not being able to get control and put the team away. And they let them back. They turn the ball over. They let them come out of halftime and go 80 yards down the field. Then they get the 17-10 lead. And, you know, and then Seattle goes three and out. And then they go three and out. Like they have a moment right there to win the game. And they can't do it. They just can't seem to focus to put the game away. It goes back to what I initially said. It's like they don't have the ability to get in position to dominate the game. When I say dominating the game, it's a dominating win. It doesn't reflect the scoreboard. It reflects the control of the game. And the Eagles have numerous opportunities to get control of the game, yet they never do. And they let that pass. And when they let it pass, that's when they get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I feel like how many times this season have we seen teams where they have an opportunity to shut the door, to extend the lead, do whatever they're going to do. They don't do it. They give that little sliver of hope to the other side. And then you end up kicking the door open and it's off to the races. And that's exactly what we saw last night. And credit Julian Love, by the way, that he got two feet down on that interception. You look at the replay. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, it really was. What a great play by the corner and great play by safety. But all they needed was 10 more yards and they didn't do it, you know, and and I think to me, but it's interesting. As as great of a win it was for Seattle, Pete Carroll came out today and said, hey, Geno Smith's our starter when we go to Tennessee and he'll get full reps. Yep, and and let's go down that quarterback train because we got some news with the Atlanta Falcons this morning as well that Arthur Smith is going to make another change ahead of their Week 16 matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Benching Desmond Ritter for the second time this season. 30-year-old journeyman Taylor Heineke is going to be back there starting this game against the Colts Falcons. Getting two and a half against Indy, total 47 there, but Ritter makes another inexcusable late-game bad interception, and it's costing him another opportunity. And Ritter typically plays well at home. This Atlanta team plays really well at home. They do. I mean, they, they have the ability. They, look, they they can be so deceiving. They can move the football up and down the field at times and just don't get it in the end zone. They have this unique ability to get yards and then not score. I mean, against Tampa Bay, they move the ball up and down the field. They don't get points. They, they get points, but they give up points at the end of Baker Mayfield. Against the Jets, they don't get any yards. They turn the Jets over three times and they win a stinker. You know, so it's it's a really confusing team. You know, for all the skill players they have, they can't make explosive plays and they kind of don't have an identity. See, this is what happens when you have it's a little bit like a basketball team. When you have too many guys that want to be the scorer, you don't end up with an identity. Nobody knows their role. Like if I said to you, Stormy, 
what what is the Atlanta offense? You say, well, they got B. John Robinson and they got, you know, and they got, you know, Kyle Pitts. No, what is their identity? They have talent that their coaches don't know how to use. Like that's that's they don't, that's right. their identity. They don't, they don't know the roles for the players. Yeah. Every every great offense, like you, San Francisco's got talented players, but they all know their roles. They all fit within their roles. This team hasn't defined the roles for them. And because they don't have a role, they can't really ex- – everything's grab bag. Grab this, try this, let's do this. You know, maybe we'll run this, maybe we'll run that. They have no identity. And when you have no identity in the National Football League, when you don't have any tendencies, when people don't say, oh, no, you better stop this, you're not a good team. So Heineke now steps back in in three appearances this year, 55.5% completions, 498 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, how do you think that they match up with Indianapolis? Look, I think Indy's really not a very good team defensively, right? Indy you know, struggles to stop the run. Pittsburgh had opportunities. They get up to 13-0. I think this will be a hard game for Indy on the road because when you really break down Atlanta, Atlanta can throw the ball and move the ball. They've got weapons, right? They, they can create some problems. And they move the ball effectively at home. I mean, they they can throw the ball effectively. I mean, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who the Eagles couldn't beat, Atlanta threw for 434 yards in the first game when they played Tampa. They threw they they had 401 yards. I mean, they can throw the ball. It's it's interesting that that he's taken Ritter out of the game. Look, Ritter's not perfect, but so Heineke's going to make the similar mistakes, if not more. I mean, it isn't like he's, a, he's improving. Now, maybe the team has stopped believing in them and where they are. But I think this is more about uh, who are they? What's their identity? They don't have one. And I really believe that this move is just another grab bag like their offense. They're just going to grab something. Now, their offensive line's been beat up. We know that. that that's been beat up. And so Indy's coming in there, you know, with a lot of momentum. And a lot of a lot of confidence in what Gardner Minshew do. I just always struggle to play Indy on the road, especially after you watch that Cincinnati game. And now before the season, Falcons owner Arthur Blank referred to this as year three of a three-year plan. It obviously hasn't gone well for Blank. Twenty and twenty-eight. Atlanta in danger of a third straight seven and ten season, maybe worse. They're at six wins right now. They've got the Colts at Bears and at Saints coming up to close out the season. What do you think, what does this mean for Desmond Ritter and Arthur Blank? In your mind, are they both just done after this season or does Blank potentially get another year like some reports have indicated? No, I, I think Arthur Smith's in trouble. I think Arthur Blank is going, I, I think meant, he's, yes. yeah, I know. He's 82 year, two years old. Arthur Blank's, the, the, he's not waiting another year. I, I think this is going to come down to the landscape. Let me put it to you that way. If the landscape gives him an idea that there could be somebody out there that he could make a move on, I think he would. But he cannot think that year three of the Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith program is really building momentum into next season. And when you get an older owner like Blank, who wants to win, who's been so close and 28 to three fell short, you know, they're going to act a little bit more on the on the aggressive side, if you will. And they've got, look, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. But what's all that money if he can't enjoy a victory and he can't win? And I think that's where this Falcon team is. Look, they're, they're poorly constructed. They really don't, they don't have an identity offensively or defensively. They're just, a, they're just a bunch of good players that have yet to come together with a team and they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, and if there was a nail in the coffin, you would imagine it's going to be looking back to that loss to the Carolina Panthers, oh, yeah. who are a one-win team. It's, it's brutal. And for for Arthur Smith, a guy who just 
I feel like he comes across as if he just knows better than everybody else, and clearly he doesn't with yeah. the results. That's what the results have indicated at this well, point. Well, some guys are just better being coordinators, you yeah. know? Like, like he's he coaches this team like an offensive coordinator. There's no identity. There's nobody that says, hey, who are we? Like, who are we? You know, and this is what we're going to do. There's no, there's just a grab here. Let's take another running back. We got this bet. Let's just give me more weapons so I can play with them. But at the end of the day, I can't score points with them. From a coach potentially on his way out to some of the best in the league this season, we'll look at Coach of the Year and some other award markets when we come back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's Tuesday, December 19th. This is the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings Live on VSIN and DraftKings Network alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonantoni with you. And I'm glad after hour one of the program, Michael, you're still you're still with us. You're still around. No pitchforks and Eagles fans have gotten to the set today. Oh you're doing okay. 
Yeah, I'm good. Actually, I'm doing even better than good. I'm going to drive up to New York after the show, go see Billy Joel in concert at the Garden on the residency. I mean, who's got it better than me, really, Stormy? Nobody. There you go. Nobody. All right. Living large. Yeah, there you go. That'll be awesome. I'm How ex- long have you had that in the works? Uh, for a while, you know, it's kind of a, it's, you, you got to catch this, you know, he plays once a, once a month at the garden and I've been wanting to go, wanting to go, wanting to go. And now seems like the perfect time to go with family and friends. So it, it, I'm looking forward to it. I I've seen him many times before, but never in the garden in this setting. I went to school at Hofstra university, which is in long Island, which is near where he started his career out in cold spring Harbor. So I saw many shows when he was starting out because I'm that old, but this will be fun to watch. I've never seen him in the garden. Seeing shows in the garden is really different than anywhere else. Just got a different feel. I, I feel that way about sporting events there too. Just being there for the moment yeah. is, it's awesome and it's special. It's elevated in a different way, but we got to get one an artist that you like coming out here playing at the Sphere or something so that you can come visit us I, back I in Vegas. I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, Springsteen's going to be out there in March this year, which is nice. going to kick off the tour in March out there. So that'd there be we good, go. but not the Spear. Uh, but well, the spear, well, come get I, I, some March Madness and come out here. That, there's rumors Billy Joel will be playing because of the Dolan connection. He may be playing the spear. There you Just go. Just rumors, though. There you go. Well, I, well, you're always in the know. You've got a guy. You've always got a guy, yeah, and I love gotta that. Have a guy, you. Stormy. <laughs> Especially got to have a ticket guy. Ticket guys are really important. Well, unfortunately, the Eagles didn't have a guy yesterday uh, as no. they got stunned, 20 to 17. And we talked about it a little bit earlier that in a lot of ways it felt more like. The Eagles gave away this win, then perhaps Seattle won it. But credit Drew Locke in a tough situation, didn't even know he was going to be starting until essentially right before things got underway. And he delivered a 92-yard game-winning drive for Seattle to close this thing out. Look, what you know, credits Drew Locke. And I'm happy. I love this post-game press conference, what he said, the way he congratulated his team. What a great teammate. Yeah. But for me, this game was Philadelphia had ample opportunity to take over the game, right? They were really, they were in control of the game. They're up 10 to three at halftime. Okay. So they give up a second half touchdown to start, but they answer right back, right back like good teams typically do and get the 17 to 10 lead. And when they scored the clock read 443 to go in the game in the third quarter. And I, how often have I said this? If you don't score in the fourth quarter, no matter how good of a team you are, just ask the Kansas City Chiefs. If you can't do that in the fourth, you can't get control of the game. You can't win these close games all the time. And the Eagles can't score in the fourth quarter. They turn the ball over. You know, they're, they're not able to get – they got five first downs in the fourth quarter and no points. They went interception, punt, interception. That is really a recipe for losing. And look, let's face it. They haven't been able to throw the ball. Jalen Hurts threw for 143 yards and 31 attempts. Kept trying to throw the ball down the field. Why? I don't know. Longest pass play of the day was an 18-yarder to Dallas Goddard. Like, there's no explosive plays in their offense. And so what? And, and this is against a Seattle team that, you know, we watched Dallas make continual explosive plays. The Rams, you know, struggled to make them in the second game, winning 17-16. But still, this this is not a great defensive team. Missing rookie Weatherspoon, the starting corner, and Jamal Adams, one of their linebackers, who's called a safety. 
Yeah, and I think that's an important conversation topic because we do talk so much throughout the course of this year about the Eagles' struggles on defense specifically, but their offense has not been what we've expected it to be either, especially over this now three-game losing streak where they have not exceeded 19 points in any of those losses. And so it's different. Jalen Hurts hasn't looked like himself, and I know yesterday he was obviously dealing with some bad flu-like symptoms that started on Thursday. He had to travel away from the team um, in order to get there because they weren't really sure what his status was ultimately going to be. He plays, credit him for gutting it out. But we even saw in the post-game press conference the way he was speaking, like, he didn't look good. He he was struggling yesterday. So there are a few things here where it's like, I wonder how much stock we can put in this game specifically. But then you have the four-game sample size, three-game sample size. We're like, no, these are issues that they've had. And I worry for them down the stretch here, Michael, even though they've got two games against the Giants and one against the Cardinals. Like, could they get tripped up again, potentially? Which is mind-boggling, I know, to think about, given who this team is. But anything is possible. Now we can't pencil anything in in the NFL. Yeah, well, let's just look at this way. Okay, last year, last year, and in, in when they had Shane Steichen and Hertz was really not one of the highest paid players in the league. He was working on his career. They, they had six games of over 300 yards passing. Six. They haven't had that. They've had two games all year. They've had two games all year in that category. They, they don't make, they're not, their passing game has become a problem. And, and here's what happens is because he is a play-action pass quarterback, when it becomes a drop-back game, he feels the pressure, and he looks to run. His eye level is always on the rush. That's what play-action pass passers do. Fake the handoff, okay, I'm throwing it out here. But when there's no play-action, all of a sudden, what am I doing? Think of the last play on third and 10. He's got a clean pocket. Vertically work the pocket up the field, what we call climb the ladder. And then look down the field for guys open. They'll be open. Mahomes does it all the time. Work that pocket. He takes it and he runs outside to the right immediately. Immediately, which now you have no offense. Now it's all loose plays. And if you do that, you know, now it's hard to complete passes. And he scrambles all the way back to the right and he throws it away to the gullet. That's why your offense isn't working. Because he refuses to stay in the pocket. And I think what we've seen with Philadelphia, they have not played a dominating game. As I wrote about today in my column, they have not played had a dominating win since they beat Tampa in Week Three. They've had a lot of what 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 I would call games where they are you know where where they are basically not quite in control of the game. You know they they they're they they kind of have a little bit of control, but then they lose it at the end, and they've been where they can dictate how things are going to go in the game. But then, it, you know, and then at the end of the game, they win it. But they've had a lot of these dangerous wins, too, which is where they're playing poorly and they find a way to win the games at the end. And they've had more dictating wins and dangerous wins than they've had dominating wins. Yeah, the way that they have played to get to 10-4 and four at this point was not sustainable when they were on that run of being a 10-1 and one team. And can, can you elaborate a little bit more for our new audience? Why, from a handicapping perspective, the reasons why NFL teams win and how they win, why that's important for us as betters. Well, I think you have to be able to to win games, to be a dominating team. You have to run the ball, throw the ball, stop the run, stop the pass when the other team knows you have to do it. That that means you have the will to – you can exert your will over a team. Having a great drive in the first quarter is great. It's wonderful. But when the game is on the line, can you make plays? 
Can you win the game? Dominating teams can do that. Now, I throw the word dominating around as if there's a bunch of them. There's not a lot of dominating teams in the league. We know this, right? The 49ers have 11 wins. Of their 11 wins, 10 of them have been dominated because they're in control of the game all the time. They're in control of the game all the time. And if they have to run the ball, they can. If they have to throw it, they can. And same thing with Baltimore. And some of these teams, like the Chicago Bears, go back and look at the Bears. Watch the Bears play against against the Cleveland Browns. And if you start to make the case, well, we should sign, we should sign Justin Fields for next year. Watch the second half of the game. Watch the whole game because Schwartz blitzes them inside, doesn't let them run around. And then in the second half, when the Bears have declared what their game plan is, Schwartz adjusts out and they can't move the ball at all. The second half for Fields was a disaster. And so that's when you were in control of the game. Like that Cleveland Brown game, and I didn't write about this, I should have. The Cleveland Brown Chicago game was the perfect example of a team that what I call a dictating win. And it was by Cleveland. Cleveland gave Chicago the 14 points. So they were making mistakes what let Chicago play in the game. The fans think Chicago should have won the game. No, if Chicago would have won the game, it was a dangerous win. They were going to give right. it away. They were going to give it away. They were never going to win that game if Flacco didn't give it away. And that proved out to be the case in the fourth quarter when they couldn't really, when they couldn't get a stop, nor could they get first downs when they needed. I mean, think about this. Their first down, in the, they had three first downs in the fourth quarter. Here's their fourth quarter. Punt, punt, downs, punt, punt, punt. Their second half went punt, field goal, downs, punt, 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 interception. And in the second half, they ended up with, with, with six first downs. The Bears becoming known for something you don't want to become known for, giving up those fourth quarter leads. Third time this season, they've had double digits in the fourth quarter, and they go on to lose the game straight up. Um, real quickly, last minute and a half, to go back to Seattle, their playoff chances have gone from 33%, according to ESPN Analytics, up to 56% after the win yesterday. So essentially saving their opportunity. But in a log jam with four other teams at 7-7, seven and seven, yeah. sitting 500, trying to get a playoff spot, they're a minus 170 favorite to make the playoffs, plus plus 140 to miss, which way do you lean? Well, they always play Arizona well. They, they know how to play Kyler Murray well defensively. They got a Pittsburgh at home, which they should be able to win that, but it's always going to be tough for them. And then this week in Tennessee, they can get this 10 wins. Their problem is they lost twice to the Rams, so they lose that tiebreaker. And you've got it to me, if you're betting Seattle, you've got to think about the Rams schedule. Because for Seattle to get in, the Rams have to be 9-8. and eight. Right, they got to be nine and eight. If they're both ten and seven, the Rams the Rams get in. I have some remarkable stats for you here as we close out this segment. Pete Carroll as a head coach in Seattle, as a dog at home, twenty three and nine straight up, twenty two and ten ATS. Uh, Monday Night Football under Carroll, fourteen and four straight up, eleven six and one against the spread. The only time Pete Carroll has ever lost to the Eagles was twenty four years ago today in one of his last games as the head coach of the Patriots. Since he arrived in Seattle in 2010, played the Eagles for the first time as a Seahawks coach in 2011, beat Andy Reid once, Chip Kelly once, Doug Peterson five times, and now Nick Sirianni, 8-0 against the Eagles since joining Seattle. Crazy. I wonder why the money was coming in on him. He just has the Eagles number. Information I wish I would have known yesterday. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's the holiday season, and DraftKings is celebrating the only way they know how with some NBA action. This week, new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VEGAS only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, use that code VEGAS, V-E-G-A-S. The crown is yours. Time for a little meaningless or meaningful, Michael Lombardi. We're going to take a look at a couple of trends, um, a couple of streaks even. And I want you to determine whether or not for the game coming up this week in the NFL, whether or not this information is meaningful or meaningless. Starting with the ye old Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have won nine straight games following a loss. They're on the road in Miami, taking on the Dolphins this week, getting a point and a half on the money line, plus 102, bet 100 to win 102. Do we think that that is meaningful or meaningless information? I think it's meaningful. What it tells you is that the players have great concentration and focus after they lose, you know, and that's really important because – Winning is a habit, and so is losing. And when you lose, if you don't come back, if you just think, oh, we got this, we're going to come back and turn it around. 
which is what Pittsburgh's been doing, right? Oh, we got this. We'll turn it. No, you won't. No, you won't. So that tells you that, that, they're, that they are listening, that, that McCarthy's got a chance to get them to play well and be in the game. Now, does that mean they're going to win? No, but I think they'll play way better. Now, we've got to figure out how many guys really had the flu, how many, how, is it an excuse? But I suspect they'll play much better in Miami against a very good Miami defense. So the, the other wrinkle to this is we know how much the Cowboys have struggled on the road too. In addition to, yes, you're dead on about all the illness stuff. We definitely need to try to comb through that a little bit more and find out who's dealing with issues. But Cowboys have been great at home. We know they're 7-0. The margin of victory is hu- huge difference from the way that they are on the road where they're 3-4. and four. And this Dolphins team has only lost one game at home, and it was in <laughs> – incredible fashion, obviously, the way things transpired the last couple minutes against the Tennessee Titans, but they rebounded at home with a 30-point shutout win over the Jets. So I wonder how much like the home and road side of it comes into play as well because Dallas has struggled so much there. Well, I think Dallas struggles on the road starts with their offensive line, right? Bad lines don't travel. Now, I'm not saying Dallas is a bad line, but if you watch them play against good teams on the road, Dak's under a lot of pressure. He doesn't have a clean pocket. I think go back to the Philadelphia game. We got first and five at the five, at the six, and all of a sudden they steal camp block Hassan Riddick, and next thing you know it's sack, and they're they're punting, and and they they got to go for it on fourth down. This line has to play at a higher level. Zach Martin needs to be in that line. He's got to play well for them too. He's hurt. He's nursing a a chest or a quad. I'm not sure quite what it was. Initially, they thought it was a knee. Then they said it was an ankle. And maybe it's somewhere in between one of those body parts. I have no idea. But he needs to play, right? They think he'll play. He's going to rest him to Wednesday, probably rest him Thursday and get him to go. But they've got to block this front. If they can block the front, they'll have a chance to throw the ball effectively. But if they don't play better, this front will do some damage. Yeah, he took a knee to the quad that forced him out of the game, at least this past week. And so, yes, as reported, they are hopeful that he's going to be able to go, but definitely something to monitor. How about the uh, the Browns and Texans this week? Browns getting two and a half on the road in Houston. We know that C.J. Stroud is still in the concussion protocol as of now, has not been able to practice yet, totaling that game 42 and a half. The Browns have lost four of their last five games against teams with a winning record meaningful or meaningless in this spot very meaningful very meaningful because the browns one of the reasons i like the bears last week at a bad handicap is because i felt like the bears defense could do what they did which is sack the quarterback because they're playing with a bunch of they have no starting offensive linemen so i was fully expecting the bears defense to control the game not allow them to run and create turnovers they did i wasn't expecting that the meltdown the Bears would have, especially in the fourth quarter or in the second half. This is a different game now. When the Browns go on the road, they're not as good defensively. We've seen this. We were Los Angeles. They're on the road. They weren't very good. They, they kind of got away from themselves, and they gave up a lot of points. Indianapolis, when they were healthy, they gave up a ton of points. So this is a situation where the Browns are not healthy in either line, offensively or defensively. Miles Garrett is, but the other players around them aren't. Getting Denzel Ward back helps, right? They're going to have some really good corner people. They'll be able to play some man-to-man with their Newsome and Denzel Ward and Emerson Jr. They can cover, and does Houston have the receivers? But for some reason, they don't play as well defensively on the road as they have, and that's, that's why this is very meaningful. With the Commanders and Jets, we got two 
really bad teams going head to head. The Jets, despite getting shut out 30 to nothing against Miami are a three point home favorite in this spot against Washington. But um, with games like these, sometimes if you don't feel comfortable with the spread, you want to have a little fun in the prop betting market, see what options there are. And one bet that's been pretty interesting is the first to 10. A lot of people like betting this one. The Jets have failed to be the first to 10 points in 22 of their last 23 Bring games. them all back, though, Storm. Bring them all back. Why not? Everybody come back. Why not have a party? <laughs> sure. Because they're, they're doing so We can't so do anything well. on the field, but I think everybody should come back. Okay, continue. Um, okay, but that's the trend. They've been they have not been able to reach ten points first in a game in twenty-two of their last twenty-three games. Is that meaningful or meaningless? The bet this week, Commanders first to ten would be plus money, plus one fifteen. I, I would never bet on the commander's offense. <laughs> period. They can't block anybody. I mean, they just throw it all over the lot. You're not getting me to bet the Jets either. I told you this is my Hall and Oates play. I don't yeah. even have to edit. It's like there's no, just – Even have, props, I don't care just where stay this away from goes. this game. Just stay away. I have no interest in this game. And I don't even know if it's going to be bad weather, but it would only be fitting for this game to be played in the pouring rain, right? It would only be fitting. And so, you know, look, the Jets how – how can't this be meaningful? You know, one of the things you do all week – when you're working these long hours in the NFL is you're trying to get a game plan where you start the game off fast. Everybody talks about starting fast. Well, that's in the game plan. You know, we're going to formation this, but they're going to think we're going to do that. We'll do this, blah, 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 blah. and now we're going to get points. And usually even bad teams score for it. I mean, look, the Arizona Cardinals went up 7 to nothing against the 49ers, remember? Yep. Right? Even bad teams can score first. They just can't maintain the game plan for four quarters. The Jets can't even score first, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Let's come back. That just made my day. Even bad teams can do this. The Jets can't even do it. It's crazy. They yeah. can't even do it. Dead on. But uh, we're going to bring them all back. Let's bring them all back. Let's run it back because Aaron Rodgers is such a great GM. That worked out for him masterfully in Green Bay, and now it's going to transpire. It's just it's it's crazy. We talk about – I love the comparison that you gave earlier with LeBron, and we see this with players all the time trying to pick their team and act like they know better than everybody else. It never works out. I don't know why people and people that are in the positions to make those decisions allow that to happen below And the them. fans think it's great. That's the thing that's unbelievable. The fans think it's great because they love the player and they can't separate the player from the, the, the procedure. It's the same thing. Everybody, you know, is giving me crap about Montez Sweat. Look, Montez Sweat, I never said he wasn't a good player. What they gave up in terms of money. Right. And draft capital was my issue, and it's still my issue today. I don't care how many sacks he gets. He's a good player. But they gave up a low – they gave up a great pick for a player that they could sign had they paid him that contract four months from now. Like, that to me wasn't smart, and it's still not smart. It has nothing to do with the player. It's the same thing. Aaron Rodgers is a great player, but he can't run the team. And, and here's what happens to your team. If you let Aaron run the team, what does that tell everybody else on the team? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. It it doesn't let you know who your leader is, and Robert Sala clearly is not the guy that, at least in my opinion, from the outside looking in. I'm obviously not inside the building, but it doesn't seem like he's the the leader that the Jets thought that they were getting in him. Um, Aaron Rodgers is running the shots, so it's it's a different feel. I got one more for you here because we talk about you know an offense that's been terrible. The the Raiders' offense, boy, did they turn it around this past week. Uh, they are in Kansas City taking on the Chiefs this week. And Kansas City, despite having a, a pretty dominant win on paper against the Patriots, still didn't look that great. The no, underdog bad. has covered in six of the last seven Chiefs games. 
The Raiders, a 10-point dog in this spot, meaningful or meaningless? I think it's meaningful. Look, the Raiders went up 14 to nothing in the first game in, in Las Vegas. Now, they got outscored 31 to 3 over the remaining three quarters, but I think the Raiders have a lot more confidence going in the game. They've been playing better defensively. Look, Mahomes is still great, and the loose plays give you all sorts of trouble. But the one thing you know playing them, you don't Kelsey's not going to beat you one-on-one. I mean, you watch the Raider tape. And the Raiders, excuse me, you watch the Patriot tape. The Patriots treated him like a good tight end. They had a guy covering him, and he covered him. Now, Mahomes got out of the pocket. He made some plays, as he always does, and they made some throws down the field. But for the most part, that offense never looked in rhythm. Now, here's the key, and here's what I would caution people this week, betting Raiders. Pacheco's back. He may, they need Pacheco. They need that power run game. They need that, that kind of toughness, which helps, because this offensive line for Kansas City it hasn't gone from being – it was good last year, I would say border on average, good to average. This year it's from average to well below average. Yeah, Pacheco makes a huge difference, especially and especially when you think about the receivers and the drops and the liability that Kadarius Tony is. That game is what's going to kick us off on Christmas Day. We have Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, and then the nightcap, the two one seeds, Baltimore and San Francisco to close out our Christmas night. So we get two lumps of coal, and then we get a real gift to close out the night. We'll be right back on the Lombardi Life. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.